For the Jags, they're breaking my heart. They really are. Christian McCaffrey is on the move, and so will be, uh, I imagine, a couple of other players as we drive towards the trade deadline. So, hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks down? Uh, you're, up, you're back in Cork now, but Sean, you were in Galway for the weekend, and Fitz, you were up in Cavan. Yeah, we had a, it was a good night, a good night up in Galway for uh, Friends 30th. Um, I, I won the staying up the latest sweepstakes. Yes. Um, defeating defeating even the birthday boy, which was my my proudest achievement of the night. <laughs> um, no, it was good. I hadn't been in a proper party in a long time. So, yeah. but, but but what what uses an award when there's no one else there around to celebrate with you? You know. <laughs> well, the no the, the the student the the kids. I mean, I wasn't comparing myself to the the twenty two year old kids who were going to stay up until, you know, the light came on. I beat all the people in my age category. Is is I suppose the. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that really matters. Mm. You undid the old age handicap, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good crack. Now, I must say, being down in Galway, seeing a lot of faces we haven't seen in a good while. It was, uh, it was good fun. Played uh, like some 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 house party games that I don't think I've played in ten years at this point. Like the 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 cereal box game and stuff like that. But uh, he said I had enough cop on to know I don't have the flexibility to do that one properly. I know the <laughs> friend of ours who was in the car with me on the way back. Uh, his back was in bits, having mistakenly thought, do you know what, I'll be fine doing this at my age. <laughs> so um, I suppose we'll fly into the news. Um, big one that came out just after we had recorded the last pod was that San Francisco traded for Christian McCaffrey from Carolina. They've given a second, third and fourth round in the 2023 draft and a fifth rounder in the following 2024 draft to pick up McCaffrey. Uh, he... Was over in time to play in the Chiefs-San Francisco game that we'll discuss a little bit later on. He, um, I think they initially hoped to just use him in goal line packages. He was on for a bit. He, had, he, he looked very good in this spot. And I'd imagine, given a full week to get up to speed, he'll look excellent for them. This is a offense that, in theory, should be very, very good to a running back, as it's famously been good to running backs who don't have the pedigree of McCaffrey. Um it's a bit of an all-in move from San Francisco because it's a lot of draft capital. And I think this year, a lot of the money's being eaten by Carolina. But for the next four years or three years of the contract, they're paying quite a chunk of change to him. So it is a big call for a, for a team that has a bit of a history of injury bugs, particularly at that position. And this is a guy who has not played a full season in three years. So there's that risk element to it. But this does create a level of dynamism that if they can get going might be able to push that offense over the edge yeah but it, i mean it is it is a strange one it is a gamble and and a, a real one given the the injury prone nature and i mean mccaffrey's great he's one of the most talented running backs in the league when he's healthy but i mean when is the last time he's actually had a pro, what you could call a productive season based off of these injuries and uh the niners giving up so much and their season's already kind of teetering a bit because of the injury crisis that they have I mean, their running backs, I mean, the system seems to create good running backs anyway. Do they really need, an, is an elite running back really what they needed given the shortcomings they have elsewhere, um, quarterback, etc.? I mean, it's it's exciting, but it, it's kind of very un, 
49er, I yeah, I always thought they were quite a sensible franchise with, with sensible kind of people in charge, and this kind of feels a little desperate. Um, it's a kind of, it, it, I don't know, it, it feels like the kind of thing that, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a Tampa Bay would do or something, something to kind of push a good team over the edge, not a not a well-constructed team. Well-constructed teams don't need to make these kind of moves, so it, it, it is a strange one, and it might work out, but equally this guy could be, I mean, McCaffrey could go down three weeks from now, and that's, you know, the Niners' season in the toilet. So, yeah, it's wait and see, definitely. Well, it's definitely unusual that once you lose your starting quarterback for the year to then go all in on a running back. Now, I know it's an unusual situation with Jimmy G there, and obviously they've made a Super Bowl and NFC Championships with Jimmy G, so Shanahan obviously has that belief. Uh, But, yeah, it's a bit of, as John says, an all-in move. I think with CMC, his contract is easy enough to get out of after this year but it is a lot of money and obviously after trading all of this for him it's obviously a situation where uh, we kind of be a you know a sunk cost at that point i think my understanding is that the rams were the other team who were definitely trying to get involved and i think they uh the San Francisco had to throw in an extra fourth round pick to get it done here over the rams so obviously they're another team that he's running out but i think look Look, I think CMC, he's such a talented player, and we know that the Shanahan run scheme is so effective that there's a chance that this turns into something truly special and where, you know, you take the pressure off someone like Jimmy G and let him do his more complimentary role in the play-action game, and this could push them over the edge. But, you know, I think they'll probably need things to stay healthy for that to happen, and uh, their luck so far this season hasn't been great. But they're getting guys back. There hasn't been that too many season energy, so I can see the logic, but it, it is a big risk overall yeah. for the future of the franchise. <clears throat> Yeah, so like I said, like the fit, I think they've overpaid a bit, and we'll see if it if it if it works in longer term. It's a it's a very old school approach to be like, yeah, we need to have that bell cow back. Uh, but yeah, we'll move on and have a look at some injuries around the league. Uh, so kind of high end ones, New York Jets. Uh, God, they've gone and done them, my beautiful boys. Running back Brees Hall has uh, apparently done his ACL and will be gone for the season. Uh, he's kind of been the engine of the offense uh, up to now. And offensive lineman uh, Vera Tucker has done his MCL with a milder injury. He'll be gone for two to six weeks. The Chargers cornerback Jesse Jackson has got a knee injury and is likely gone for the season. He was a very high-profile free agency pickup who hasn't really been working out for them. Um, Mike Williams, our wide receiver, has injured his ankle. has gone for one to six weeks. And Dallas defensive back Jordan Lewis has injured his foot and he's gone for his season. So these are are kind of season injure or season enders uh, or teams that have faced that so far so jets this is this is heartbreaking for them they do have um Michael Carter, who I think is a second rounder from the year beforehand. So they do have some draft capital invested at a backup position there that they might be able to get something going with. But like quite frankly, outside of Brees Hall, this has not been it's great to see them winning, but it's not been the most exciting of, of, of Jets teams and they haven't been getting it going in the passing game. So this is a huge knock to a team that have been kind of nice, plucky little, you know, upstarts uh, in the season to this date. Yeah, like you can't underestimate how important Brees Hall has been to that offense. It hasn't been necessarily the most explosive like offense and, and the defense improving has been a big part of why they're at uh, four and two. But... Um, it's definitely sorry. Yeah, four, five, and two. Uh, like it's a situation where you know Zach Wilson has been very up and down. He has been asked to do a lot, and with him, with Brees Hall out, suddenly you're going to have to lean on him more unless you trade for someone. I think Carter is a very good running back, but he's more of a complimentary back. He's great out of the back 
backfield. He can make some plays within the tackles, but compared to the skills that you're getting from a guy like Brees Hall, he, he doesn't quite have that in his uh, locker. So, yeah, I think, to be honest, even the, the loss of Elijah Vera Tucker, who's really taken a huge step up this season and has even filled in a left tackle when other guys have been out, um, is also a huge loss for them for the time he's going to be out for the next few weeks. Um, so, yeah, for the Jets, obviously, a really feel-good story at the moment, but the loss of these two guys could definitely um, send them back to the, uh, you know, reverting back to the average yeah, not great. Uh, the Chargers, this is going to take a couple of long so now. The JC Jackson, I think they're paying him something like $80 million. He's really not been playing particularly well for them. Mike Williams, however, has stepped up. Obviously, Keenan Allen is, I think, now back from, or at least theoretically fully back from his injury. But um, Mike Williams has stepped in and taken an awful lot of those targets. So this is a Chargers team that's already, and we will discuss this in the games, slightly floundering, losing a key piece on their offense and an expensive albeit maybe underperforming piece in the defense shot yeah it's uh, it does feel like this Chargers team or at least their season is on the precipice i mean bad loss and it's kind of getting away from them obviously mike williams did as you said stepped up in keenan allen's absence and he he's always been a, a very important part of that offense as the as you know a receiving option and to take him away will will limit what they can do and things aren't going great on the i mean the jc jackson thing it is a strange one he's he was so good when he played for the pats like he was such uh, you know a step yeah. up in terms of the cornerback it's just not working out he's getting criticized for for making you know he, he's turning into one of those quarterbacks that gets targeted which is not where you want to be as, as a cornerback because it seems to flip very quickly for that position either you're a superstar or you're you're, you know, jabroni. So um, that's probably not as much of a, as a loss. But uh, yeah, I mean, the charges are charging, and, and this is just going to continue with the with the charging aspect. Yeah. So a couple of low, like kind of shorter term injuries are coming up. Tennessee quarterback Ryan Tannehill has injured his foot, and he's now week to week. Uh, tight end David Njoku for Cleveland, who's uh, really stepped up for them this year, his uh, ankle injuries after two to five weeks. DK Metcalf, the Seattle wide receiver, has injured his knee, and he's week to week. You saw him getting carted off this year, uh, this week, which is unfortunately for the knee injury and not for another toilet trip. Cincinnati edge rusher Trey Hendrickson has injured his neck, and he's week to week. And Omar. Rat St. Brown, the Detroit wide receiver, has a concussion and is now week to week. Um, these are all interesting bits. Like, from my perspective, Ryan Tannehill is interchangeable at quarterback because the quarterback position doesn't matter in Tennessee or boring. Uh, <laughs> like, realistically, I would imagine as long as you can get something that is like, you know, top 24, you're getting roughly the same amount of production, even given their scheming, right? Well, it, it's interesting because obviously. I would say that if they had a boring backup, but they obviously have the rookie Malik Willis, who's yeah. very, very raw, but very, very exciting, and even had a cameo in this game, uh, which unfortunately didn't go very well because he fumbled the ball on a handoff from Tannehill. But that's basically a completely different skill set from the kind of game manager that Ryan Tannehill has basically turned into this season, and he's been, to be fair, fairly effective at that. But yes, it would run through uh, Derrick Henry if uh, Malik Willis had to start games, but I suppose the hope is that since he's a dynamic rushing threat that the... Uh, the uh, kind of uh, dual threat um, repass option kind of stuff with Derrick Henry uh, would make up for perhaps the less efficiency yeah. in the past game. So I think that's a definitely, I think, I, I think it being boring is part of their brand. So having a guy who's more risky is probably bad for them overall, but it, you know, it might actually make them worth watching. So we probably take it in Joku. I think you said like we were kind of ragging on in earlier in the off season. Um, 
but uh, he really has stepped up this year. He was on pace for over a thousand yards, and to miss him with an ankle sprain for a while is definitely going to be a loss for them. It was basically him and Amari Cooper were the entirety of the pass offense insofar as it existed. Um, so definitely keep an eye on Cleveland that they had taken another step back on offense. DK Metcalf, thankfully the X-rays came back negative according to reports, so he may miss some time, but um, don't expect it to be uh, season-ending like that. I think he should be back uh, probably sometime in November mm. at worst. And Trey Hendrickson, like, look, he has a neck stinger. Those things can get quite bad. As a Seahawks fan, I'm aware of historical issues where guys have had their careers ended by things that were called uh, stingers, like Cam Chancellor. But hopefully, it's still that severe, and he can uh, get back there playing. And I'm on Ross and Brown. Like, look, the, 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 the Detroit Lions' offense the last few weeks is just absolutely tanked without him and Swift in the lineup. Hopefully, he can get back from concussion as soon as possible. Swift can get back in, and they can get that whole thing going um, to being back the exciting offense that we hoped it would be based in the first few weeks. Yeah. Also, just we didn't have, we didn't mention there. There's a few uncertain injuries in with the Giants. I believe the tight end Daniel Bellinger has a eye socket injury, which could be Ugh. quite severe. He might need surgery on that. Apparently, it didn't look good according to uh, Brian Dable, the head coach. And their um, rookie offensive lineman Evan Neal also has an injury. Mm. Um, we're uncertain on on where what the severity is. So keep an eye. Obviously, the Giants are a very relevant team, and those are two guys that they've been leaning on in a. Uh, obviously, they're not Saquon, but they have been quite important to the offense overall. Yeah. So we're recording a little bit earlier this week, so we don't have quite as much clarity as we often do. Uh, so we might, if anything drops, I might try and drop it in during during the editing process. But we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, I suppose we'll swing over and take a look at the games from last week. So first up, we have Cleveland at Baltimore, 20 to 23. This one ran very close. Baltimore held on as Hill fumbled. But the punishment was there because of a Cleveland OPI and a false start on a field goal meant that they were able to pull it off. Lamar was underwhelming, uh, but I suppose efficient, if we want to be very friendly about it. It's 120 plus 59 on the ground, uh, controlled the clock well. Brissett looked surprisingly well in this game, although this keeps this keeps coming up as like Brissett looking pretty good and then like making mistakes at the key times and that uh, so he went like over 270 and he had a fumble um, like they got production in the running game Chubb went over 100 and a touchdown but like they're still not really I would say using the run game enough in Cleveland like they have Chubb and they have Hunt and I think they rushed something like 28 times in this game or 30 times in this game like like no one was getting no one was getting 25 touches you know um but uh, this is this is one that Cleveland they're going to kind of think maybe we should have been able to have this you know like we said this was probably going to be close I wasn't I wasn't expecting to be quite this level I would be increasingly I think I think this is almost becoming a weekly occurrence now I'm getting increasingly worried this Baltimore team isn't actually going to be able to hold up against anyone of quality uh, yeah, it's it's a very strange team. They, I've never seen a team look so solid and reliable for three quarters, and then look so absolutely garbage for the fourth quarter. I mean, this is a this is a team that looks like it's at the top end of the NFL when it's you know the game is in its normal stages, but as soon as it gets down to crunch time, mistakes are happening all over the place. Um, they've lost three games this season that they should have won, and this one could almost have slipped away from them as well. You'd be worried about that brittleness, and we, we've talked about it, and, and uh, I mean, it must be as much psych- psychological as anything else as a team that feels that once their lead begins to dis- disintegrate, then suddenly everything starts to panic. They were 23-13 up and comfortable, and then suddenly 
mistakes start happening and everything start to fall apart. But it's a win is a win, and I think it's important to kind of to kind of mark that as what it was. This was though kind of a weird one. It was a a defensive win rather than offense. The offense was really not going anywhere all that much. Lamar had a very so-so game. You feel maybe the the passing game. I mean, they've added. They got Andrews obviously, and Duvernay is kind of coming along as well, and, and Bateman gives an option. But you do feel maybe they're missing that receiver who can win in, in kind of tight one-on-one spots, kind of playmaking receivers. You wonder if if that's what that part of the game is missing. Um, but the defense looks very good. The defense has been kind of up and down. I mean that the Dolphins' defeat kind of sticks to mind is when this defense had a particularly terrible game. But here they, I think, five sacks in this game, and I a lot of good stuff from Patrick Queen as well, who's really stepping up to be you know, a, a major player in this defense. So, I mean, on paper, the Ravens look really good, but, you know, you can't trust them. And ultimately, I mean, this is the part part of the season where that becomes a thing. Who, which teams do you trust and which do you don't? And they, they really are flirting with being frauds that the Ravens, despite their talent. In terms of the Browns, they're just not a good team. Like, I think we need to, to kind of accept that, especially without someone like Deshaun Watson. This is a very average team. The defense has taken a huge step back from the last two seasons, and they used to be the the, the crowning crown jewel of this team, and they've become distinctly average. And on the offensive side, I mean, Jacoby Brissett is doing his best, but he's just a limit to what his talent is, and they're definitely not using the running game. And it's not just how often they're using it, it's in, in situations they're not relying on the strongest weapon when they need to win. Um, and sometimes they're trying to push past plays in this game where, where a run play would have been a much better option. The questions maybe start to come on the head coach, uh, Stefanski, if Watson comes back and this team is four and seven or something and, you know, the season is effectively dead. I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions coming out. Yeah. Um, their play calling has got to start to be questioned uh, and, and you wonder how long that particular spotlight is going to be shunned because this team has put an awful lot in, into having being alive when Sean Watson comes back. And if they're not, then heads are going to roll. Yeah, I think Sean's covered most of what's important there. And I think like the... You know they're two and five right now in Cleveland. I think it's it's getting into desperation mode right now. And the biggest thing you take away from them in this first like uh, nearly half of the season at this point is just how unclutch Brissett is. He's just making these mistakes at the worst times. Uh, the fumble here early in the second half led to the uh, Baltimore touchdown that gave them a ten point lead. And at that point, they obviously Cleveland did have chances at the end, but it did feel like they would hold on. <laughs> Although you know it's kind of like uh, two equally weak forces the the Baltimore's capacity to throw away wins and Cleveland's incapacity to take wins when they're given the opportunity but like look on that final drive I think you just saw that Cleveland you know everything that could go wrong did go wrong uh, well technically it was the second last drive but the last relevant drive there was like a uh, 22nd or whatever at the end um, so you know you had Brissett third and two well within field goal chance he threw it up to Amari Cooper looked like a great catch uh, but he had pushed off that was OPI sent the back 10 yards they then uh, do nothing the next one then they set up for the field goal they get a false start penalty this is just kind of classic Cleveland screw up and then on the 60 yard field goal trial it was it was, it was blocked but like look that's a 60 yard field goal trial you're, you're, you're getting blocked and that isn't probably uh, you know that unusual since you have to kind of kick it a bit lower um, so I think for Cleveland Look, they're a solid team waiting for a quarterback, but by the time the quarterback comes back, I don't think they're going to be that relevant. As for Baltimore, look, they could have a lot more wins. They've been ahead in pretty much every single game, um, but I think if they can just clean things up, 
be more efficient. And I think the big thing with the run game is it's been so inefficient. But, you know, Gus Edwards comes back. He's pretty solid. He gets two touchdowns. Uh, Lamar made some really important uh, third and fourth down conversions throughout this game with his legs. So, look, I don't think it's perfect in Baltimore, but we know they have a good co head coach. We know they have plenty of talent. So I have trust that, you know, give or take, they will probably be relevant in the AFC uh, North standings. And I think at this point, it's probably them and Cincinnati who will probably be fighting it out by the end of the season. Yeah. Next up, the Giants at the Jacksonville Jaguars, 23-17. to Heartbreak at the end of this game as they complete the ball pass to Christian Kirk, who then gets stuffed at the one-yard line and the clock expires. Um, so Lawrence, who looked a little bit better at times, but over 300 and, you know, you, I know you complete the pass and you try and give your guys a chance to do it. I would kind of wonder, like, if he's more experienced and doesn't make kind of silly mistakes does he maybe not pass it, you know, three yards short of the actual end zone with a lump of guys surrounding the guys passing it at? But the run game was really what got them going. Etienne looked great, 119, a touchdown and a fumble. Um, on the other side, the Giants just look like a surprisingly competent team for what we're used to seeing. Danny Dimes is getting it done on the ground, which is surprising. So he's 200 yards through the air and a touchdown and over 100 on the ground with a touchdown. Um, Saquon went over 100 as well. He had a couple of monster moments in it. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was impressive from them. You got to give it to this Giants team. Like we, I don't think, I, I, I would hazard a guess if we went back to our preseason predictions, they have now hit the annual win total that we were expecting them to reach over the course of the entire season. Um, but no, it's it, 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 it's good to see them doing well. Danny Dimes is essentially playing himself into getting a franchise tag next year, isn't he? Because uh, they didn't take up his fifth year, right? Yeah, so he, he's definitely got a chance to pick up that contract. Yeah, like, it, this, it, this continues because if I remember correctly, he's now one of the upper end rushers this year because he's now had a couple of games where he's he's, he's done the stuff on the yeah. ground but and he always looks so inelegant when he runs he, he always does like he he's does just... he's not he's not he's not a man who looks like he's designed to do that job um but no this this was good performance and it was even in a loss it was a little bit better from jacksonville as well to see the run game get going to see lawrence do a few more things like they're still they're still rusty and it wasn't like neither side blew you away, but this is now a, was a five and one Giants team, like looking six looking, and one. Six and one, Jesus, yeah, looking good, like tipping away. It's yeah, I, I, I would not have guessed this uh, uh, at all. As I think we'll also come to on the previews. I would not be. I was never expecting that this would be the kind of competition level we'd be seeing out of New York. Yeah, like I think it's a situation where we just talked about there the lack of clutchness of the Cleveland Browns and to be fair the Baltimore Ravens as well in terms of throwing away wins whereas the Giants right now seem like the most clutch team in the NFL and I you know maybe clutch is just to send them for luck but you know the big thing for them is that they look like a team that believes in themselves that they don't panic when they're put into difficult situations and that they're able to build on what they're good at which is running the ball really effectively with Saquon Barkley who by the way just had some amazing runs in this game just juking guys out and just the kind of change in direction that he's capable of is truly it, you know, it, he's fully back to the 2018 Saquon who blew up the NFL um, in his rookie year. And, you know, on the other hand, Daniel Jones, like, yes, 
he looks like a giraffe when he runs out there it's all a little bit awkward looking but he is a very fast runner he does make he is very effective once he gets onto the edge um, in terms of play action and stuff like that and the big thing is that he's avoiding the big mistakes that have been his kind of like his big issue ever since he came into NFL Brian Dayball is obviously trying to get him into the dynamic spaces and running the ball well and passing effectively um, but he's stopping him from doing the Jameis Winston stuff and throwing you know five interceptions or fumbling the ball three times he's telling him here's what you need to do to stop those things and once you take away that look is Danny Dimes going to turn into Josh Allen no but I think without those mistakes he is a dynamic playmaker he just needs to start building up his capacity to understand the game of football to kind of take that next level of being worth uh, the kind of contract that he'll probably get if this keeps up um, I think on, so I think overall for them, Brian Dable's doing a really good job. And overall, it's really good that they're clutch in the sense because they were behind in this game up until the fourth quarter. They got a touchdown um, around the middle of the fourth quarter that got them the lead and then they held on to it. And I think that's the kind of stuff like, you know, compared to, say, the Browns where... You know, when they're put in difficult situations, they don't turn away from what they're good at. They keep doing it. You know, they had difficult situations this game. They had a, a really long drive that went for 72 yards that ended up going off and downs when they were behind. So I think that team, they know what they're doing. And as I said, in week one, they got that clutch win against Tennessee and they've just kept rolling since then, more or less. And it's good to see. And they're kind of a fun, interesting team to watch. On the other hand, Jacksonville, like the slide to irrelevance continues now two and five. And another game where... Like there's elements to this team that are really exciting, right? Like Travis Etienne has taken over that backfield and he was really dynamic in this game. He had nearly 120 yards. He had a really fun touchdown. Um, but he did have a, he did have a fumble as well um, towards the end of the first half when it looked like he could be going for a touchdown at that point. And Lawrence... Yes, he was better in this game, over 300 yards, but he just still has too many passes that just uh, go way over his receiver or just are inaccurate. And for a guy who was obviously hyped to heaven from the draft, it's just really weird to see him have such poor fundamental mechanics and you hope um, that the head coach can kind of sort that out as time goes on. He did look better. He's kind of got his feet back after those couple of weeks where he was turning the ball over at will. But overall he still isn't quite there and yeah I think the decision making on the Kirk pass I think overall that was the right decision and of course when you're one yard away from getting what would have been a really good win to get them back on track obviously in what is a fairly south AFC south a fairly weak AFC south it, it stings that little bit more for me in Jacksonville the biggest concern is that the defense after starting hot has really you know kind of sunk away it kind of feels like teams have figured them out and that they're, they're not making adjustments I know they're a very young defense with a lot of pieces they're trying to build in but you would really want to see more from a defense that has invested so much in it in recent years um, so if they can't adjust on that side and they're going to give Trevor Lawrence big deficits to kind of uh, like to deal with or, or not kind of defend not able to defend leads then you know you put on Lawrence's arm there's reasons to be excited for that right now, but it's still, it isn't quite clicking there on either side of the ball, right, with Jacksonville right now. And they, they, we saw glimpses of what they can be. It's just disappointing that we're not seeing more of that. Okay, so, so I just looked it up. I just want to brag about this. Uh, Connor had the Giants winning six games, so go Connor. If they, if they lose all ten, that'll be accurate from now on. Uh, Ronan had them winning three games, uh, and I predicted them to go eight and nine. So I'm still, I'm still alive. Uh, for a while, I'm still alive. I just don't. I still yeah. haven't won anymore. <laughs> um, but no, I mean it's yeah. The Giants, it's it's an amazing story, and it's it's a great demonstration of what coaching will do for a team and what confidence will do for a team. Each game, this team wins. They feel a little bit better about themselves. They're starting to to experiment a bit. Their their offense, they're starting to do lots of different ways of running plays and winning. And their defense is just. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a, a a nonstop blitz attack that just kind of. Is about exposing the deficiencies of your opponents, causing them problems, making teams beat them, 
and because everyone's a fraud this season, then they're beating a lot of teams. Um, they're showing up a lot of teams, but uh, you'd wonder if they tr- run into a truly good team, um, how they're going to to fare. I mean, the big story for me in terms of the Giants is Danny Dimes. He's really coming into himself this season, keeping the mistakes out. I think this is the first time he's ever run for 100 yards on the ground uh, in an, in a professional career, um, which is which is go him. Um, I think if it if he can keep hang on to staying in a Brian Dable team as long as possible would be very good for him. He's, he's not going to turn into Josh Allen and the run-ins about that, but he's definitely turning into like a poor man's Josh Allen, which for the Giants is is more than enough. So, I mean, the Giants, they're running their luck to a little extent, but it's also just about a team that believes in themselves and is executing game plans very well. For the Jags, they're breaking my heart. They really are. They This is a team that could be... Five and two, if things had turned out some otherwise, but said they're two and five. All of their losses this season have been one-score games, which to me says this is a learning curve season. This is a season. This is a team that's now learning all the different ways to to lose, so that in seasons to come <laughs> they will figure out all the ways to win. And that that might sound facetious, but I do think it's an important thing in sports to to realize that you you have to learn how to win games in close situations, and they haven't quite got there yet. They they're so much better than last year, but there's still a ways to go. Um, they came about as close as you can to win this game. I mean, one yard, it, it's it's that Titans versus the Rams Super Bowl thing where, you know, you stretch and you're, you're one yard short of it. It kind of felt like that. It was, it was as close as you can get to winning, and they didn't. But, uh, yeah, Lawrence needs to cut out the bad passes and the mistakes. They probably need to re- re- lean in the run game a bit more. Etienne is is having a really good season where they, they maybe don't have all the pieces in the passing game that they need yet. Um, but for the Jags, yeah, they're going to end up they're going to end up with a season that, on in terms of the record, won't look great. But they'll have they'll have learned so much this season that I think next season they're going to look like a really good team. But for the Giants, this is their season now. And yeah, short of short of the Eagles, I mean, they could probably give any team in the NFC a tough game at this point, even in the playoffs. Yeah. Next up, we have Tampa Bay, Carolina, uh, three to twenty-one. Lol at Tom Brady. Shock win for Carolina, who are now sans Christian McCaffrey as PJ Walker leads them 177 yards and two touchdowns. Um, they got production out of Foreman, who got a lot of yardage on the ground over 140, and Chubba Hubbard, who got the touchdown in 70 yards, uh, and just kind of tore up what is becoming an increasingly bad-looking Tampa Bay defense. Uh, also, like Tampa Bay themselves couldn't really get like they they got a lot of yardage for 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 um, for Brady in that, but like. You know, the running game Empty never yards. really got going. Pardon? Empty yards. Empty yards. Like, just nothing happened with them. Like, and to be fair, this is the thing. Like, it's an interesting game because it's it, it's interesting to watch, basically, you know, Tom Brady flush his entire personal life away to go and lose to rebuilding teams. Um, but, like, honestly, this game was tough to try and watch. Like, you didn't get a score until there was two minutes or less than two minutes left in the first half. If you only like the, the game script of this is punt, 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 touchdown, end of half. Then the second half, punt, 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 turnover and downs, punt, punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, downs, punt, game. Like, it was brutal, to be quite frank. But it was a remarkably impressive win by the Carolina Panthers, who should not had absolutely zero business being in this game at all. And I just I just want to know, like, are we now looking at a spot where it's top bowls isn't at the head of the the the, the yeah yeah like are we looking at a spot where the pressure is on now less than half a year into him being in there because you look at this team and like yes there's some pieces that are older but like none of the game script works none of what they're teaching work he's meant to be a defensive coach and the defense has gone to absolute shite this it doesn't make any sense to me it, it, is this a spot where 
Tom Brady is going to wipe this out and then also ensure that Tabo's never gets a shot at a head coaching job again. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. This books team, we never... We thought there might be a drop-off, obviously, given that they've kind of had two very good seasons, including a Super Bowl, when you thought there might eventually be a drop-off. But this is just... It's incredible how bad this team actually is. And it, there were signs of it in the first few weeks. They, they, they looked like a team that might not quite be at it, but it's the drop-off is quite amazing. And it's not just Brady. And Brady, I, I mean... Brady's problem seems to be that he's actually started to doubt himself. I mean, whatever his his rock solid self confidence has maybe given all he's gone through in the last few months is and the, the the on the field issues here, you can see he's starting to hesitate with throws. He's shorting, uh, he's short. He's throwing throws shorter. He's he, you know he's he's hesitating about about throwing the ball at certain times. Which these are these are not Tom Brady. Um, uh, uh, traits, but it's not just Brady. The pieces around him are making tons of mistakes. I mean, Mike Evans dropped the clearest touchdown oh, in, in God, the history of the game. Yeah, that's um, a bad precedent. <laughs> that kind yeah, of which the game kind of went like that, that after that. If, if I remember, that was like that was like five plays in or something, wasn't it? It was very early, yeah, and it, it completely changed the nature of the game. Um, so Evans makes a mistake. Godwin is not quite back to 100%. This team's O-line looks like it's got some serious weaknesses, especially the interior looks dog shit. The defense is supposed to be fantastic, and yet their supposedly elite run defense got run over by Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard. This, these guys, I mean, it's interesting in, in terms of the offense. They, they've been having a lot of first and second down issues this season, mostly because they run the ball a lot in first and second down. So in this, they try to switch it up and have more early passing. But they just had incompletions, and they still ended up with like third and long situations, two and twelve from third down. I mean, this is this is a team that just has no answers, um, has no way forward, doesn't quite know how they're going to evolve into the team they need to be to get going. They happen to still be live and and possibly going to make the playoffs because their division is pretty awful, and they're still joint top of their division despite having a losing record. But as a force in the NFL, this this Bucks team I think is basically dead. Mm. There's just too many old people. And not enough answers, and this team cannot evolve in the time left of them to, to go forward. In terms of the Panthers, I mean, good on them. They're a terrible team, but they won this game quite comfortably, actually. So a lot of good prep. The defense was definitely, they know the Bucks, and they were definitely running off what they knew about what the Bucks were going to do. They seemed like a lot of good defensive reads. They seemed to know not just what, what types of plays they're up against, but exactly the types of passes. They seemed to be able to, to judge every pass that was coming. As I said, a huge run-game success against the supposedly elite defense and pj walker had a fantastic game so i mean the panthers i think were look made look good by the fact that the books were so bad in this but uh this is not a good look this is as bad as a tom brady team has ever been this is as bad as we've seen this tampa bay this current iteration of this tampa bay team be um yeah someone someone's head is going to roll but i don't think it's going to make a difference uh yeah i i can see these guys limping to a losing record um which is yeah yeah. It's, it's to have fallen so far so quickly. It's it's kind of it's mind-boggling, really. And to have, like I think it's it's it obviously look there's bad stuff going on, but like it's just there's some there's some kind of grimness to and, and somewhat hilarity to the fact that you know he was retired and then he came back against everyone else's wishes and advice, and obviously he's got the personal family matters going on around that as well. And it's just like for this was this why you did it was this why you did it? like it's just <laughs> yeah. awful. it's awful um next up green bay at washington we all laughed and said geez there's no way they can also lose to washington but here we are green bay 21 washington 23 washington scored 20 unanswered points to knock off rogers uh he went for 192 and two touchdowns so like 
just wasn't really doing a wild pile. What I find most interesting was that they didn't really... Now, you could say it's that they saw it wasn't working because they weren't getting... They were averaging about three yards a carry, but, like, they only tried to run the ball 12 times in this entire game. Like, it was... It was not very exciting. Whereas... Washington actually managed to get a few things going. It's the nice, there's a nice story, obviously, with Brian Robinson Jr. He wasn't getting the efficiency you'd like to see out of it. Like, he was averaging three and a half on 20 carries. But, like, you know, they, 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 they know who they are. They know what their restrictions are with Tyler Heineke. At the moment, Aaron Rodgers is not playing fantastically well. So, you know, cover him up with the running game. Washington went, yeah, our, our, our quarterback's not very good. Let's run the ball nearly 40 times instead of running it 10 times. Um... But yeah, it, they just they just lost the run of themselves and then just went silent. So there was a defensive touchdown. There was, uh, you know, missed field goals. There was all these kind of messiness in this game. But like, it's the kind of messiness that you would always expect to happen at some point during a season in a game like this. But you would have always, up until this point, been able to expect that Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing, will step in, calm them down and get it sorted. And they just went radio silent for 40 minutes of this game so like other than the fact of it's nice to see the you know, a bit of the downturn of him given that everything coming out of him over the offseason is basically a bit of an arse um I, I i'm just baffled at how quickly this whole green bay thing has imploded like that is the giants the jets and washington gone they're getting wiped like it's it's bizarre Ronan. can you explain it to me yeah, like they're bad. That's why it's happening. Like they've deserved to lose these games. Like it's not like they've played well or it's mysterious. They've just been worse than the teams that have beat them, um, more or less. And of course, you know, like there's something in common between this game and the last game. Two old lads out there trying to keep playing when they don't seem to be quite invested as much, and they have a bunch of stuff going on in their personal lives that seems to make it even worse. And you know, it's a bit like seeing thirty-something at a house party you know trying to keep up and <laughs> keep at it it's just it you know just you know sometimes these things just break down right um yeah. i'm sure i would have still been with it though of course um anyway uh <laughs> but like look washington like this is a game that washington could have lost in the first quarter like heineke who to be fair really came on as the game went on and he find he found terry mclaurin who's kind of been mostly missing with carson Wentz for whatever reason while also getting the other guys like uh curtis samuel involved in the passing game i think the big thing for him is that like early on he threw that pick six i think there was two or three other uh turnovers that he could have had that were called back by um flags or were dropped by green bay defenders so this could have been like a game that green bay went way up in the first quarter and then it would have had enough of a cushion to kind of get it done in the end but that didn't happen and so what you saw is that not for the first time this season the Packers actually look okay for the first stanza of the game so maybe you know Lafleur is still doing a good job of scheming up that a first you know drive or two of plays but that once those are exhausted the entire thing just falls apart and the big thing is that you know when we think of Aaron Rodgers we think daring do we think explosive plays we think him you know extending plays in the pocket but right now behind what is to be fair a makeshift offensive line he is incredibly skittish he is so afraid of getting hit like Washington only got one QB hit in this game uh, zero sacks but you could tell the effect that they were having on, on Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers will not throw it downfield and to be fair I can kind of understand why because teams are going man to man and the guys that they have in there cannot beat their their defensive back counterparts you saw like a deep shot attempt to Sammy Watkins where he just kind of gave up 
halfway through the run. You see Romeo Dobbs was getting, you know, was on the field pretty much the entire game, zero yards. And it, like you could just see that the windows that exist for these guys, like Dobbs and Watkins, uh, who came back for this game, and for the other guys, just didn't exist. I think the, what you saw towards the end of the game is that, like, Amari Rogers, who I think is more of a gadget player, but at least the guy is explosive. At least he had, like, an open shot that Rogers was willing to take a shot when he had to come back at the end of this game. And then you see that he had the, the touchdown laid on to Aaron Jones into a tight window. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers still has those things, but he looks out there every play and he just sees his guys being blanketed and he's going, who am I supposed to throw to? Like, I don't have anyone that I trust, like Devontae Adams, to win one-on-one or even if they are blanketed. So he's just kind of confused and old and, like, you know, you know, you know, he just wants to take some drugs or something. Like, it just, you know, maybe he needs to take some drugs and imagine what people could be open or something. But it, it's just not working right now. And with the run game basically being tamped down completely by teams, teams are taking that away and going man to man. The whole thing just has broken apart. So for Green Bay, you know, they could win some of these games because their defense has been overall solid. But in the end, the defense gave way because they were kept being put into the hole by the offense. Like Heineke, who obviously isn't the best quarterback in the world, but we know that he's a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who is willing to trust his guy, willing to throw those 50-50 balls. And when you have a guy... I like Terry McLaurin. Sometimes that works out, and the run game was working okay, especially with Antonio Gibson, who was, you know, he got half the carries of yeah. uh, Brian Robinson, but was more efficient. So I think overall, Washington, they're a mess of a team, but they can get wins if other things go right. But for Green Bay, it's just, it, it just doesn't make any sense right now, and they really, like LeFleur, you know, obviously all these wins in the regular season over the last seasons when he's been in Green Bay, he needs to figure something out with his his quarterback quick, or they could easily uh, be straight up relevance in a week or two. Yeah. Uh, next up, Indianapolis to Tennessee, ten to nineteen. Uh, yeah, again, not exactly the uh, the laugh riot as you'd want for uh, for a match. Tennessee assert the control of the AFC South as they sweep Indianapolis. Uh, Henry did his thing, one hundred and thirty eight in the ground. Their defense did their thing, two interceptions, a fumble, three sacks, three five tackles for loss, and like keeping them below three hundred yards. Ryan. I'm just so confused by this Indianapolis team as to what the actual plan is. So they had like their best success last week when they had Ryan throw whatever 55, 60 times. So Ryan goes 243 for a touchdown and two interceptions uh, before Pittman fumbles it and stops their comeback. How, in the love of Christ, is their setup for this game that okay we're going to have him passing because this is this is not a game that got out of hand early for them, right? They were only down by 13 at the half, and they came back to score then. So, like, it wasn't wasn't that they were miles away. They have Matt Ryan throw it 44 times. They have a quarter of his targets go to Paris Campbell instead of, like, Michael Pittman or someone like that. Jonathan Taylor gets 10 carries in this game. Like, Derrick Henry got 30 carries. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor got 10. He's back, he's healthy. He's the engine of your offense. You're having problems with Matt Ryan, like, risking sacks and it not going well. Use your superstar running back, or if you're going to pass it, pass it to your top WR1. Like, it was very just just messy, and I didn't know... Because this game was there for the taking for them. Like, this was not at any point massively gone from them. They had the ability to get back into it, and they just kept going, no, no, we're going to stick with the plan, even if that plan constantly has us punting because fuck it we're going to stick with that plan like it was just how they weren't adjusting in any way to what was being given to them I, I, I don't know and I get that there was a fumble for Pittman and that kind of stuff but like it was just yeah 
It was it was awful. Yeah, I mean, we know this Colts team isn't good. We we we've watched them enough this season to to know that this team is there's a ceiling to what their quality is, and it's not very high. I mean, I think part of the problem was that the performance Ryan's performance against the Jags last week may have. I don't know, convince Frank Reich or something that this was the answer. I mean, we saw much more of the Matt Ryan, we, the Indiana Colts version of Matt Ryan that we expected. I mean, very much reverted to the norm, which is not very good at all. Um, I mean, I think part of the thing was that the, the Titans defense did kind of seem to have the Colts figured out a little bit. I mean, I do think maybe we need to give Mike Vrabel credit where he deserves. He's he's very impressive what he can do with defensive scheming in terms of taking options away. He definitely kind of has Belichick like moments, especially against teams like the Colts, where they just they just know them so well that they they can just go out and dominate them. A lot of that might that might have a psychological impact as well, which 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 makes the Colts make mistakes on the other end. Um, it's. It's very interesting to, to the Titans are a strange team because no one ever feels takes them that seriously, and yet they do seem to be once again turning out to be quite a good team. Um, they might finally have demonstrated that there is one good team in the AFC South. It, it now is in definitely their division to lose. They've got a comfortable lead, both in terms of the record and in terms of um, the the various uh, head to heads um, that they should they should be very comfortable winning this division. Um, it seems Henry is, is the core of the offense. I mean, he's getting into his groove again. I think this was his third straight 100-yard game. So, I mean, it, it, it seems like he's doing that kind of late, that mid to late season surge where where he suddenly gets better and better as, as every week goes on. So, I mean, that could be a difficult team to stop once they get into their, to their groove. But credit to the coaching as well, as I said, Vrabel has done a, a very good job. So the Titans are good, but the Colts, yeah, I mean, there are mistakes being made and decisions that aren't, aren't great. But ultimately, I think the problem this team has is that there's just they're just not a very good team. They last season they looked like a team which had the potential to be good, but there were deficiencies in it. This year they've definitely taken a step back in terms of that. Um, and I mean they're going to limp probably to eight eight and one because it feels like the team that they are. But uh, yeah, I don't want to watch this Colts team. But they're the Colts team is definitely turning into one of those kind of Vikings like team where I just don't want to watch them because they yeah. that they, they annoy me and uh, uh, in a depressing way. Um, but uh, as long as they're still live in a division that's weak, then we're going to have to watch them quite a bit, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we can start just slipping them off preemptively into the jump-off for future episodes. Uh, <laughs> next up, finally on this side, we've got uh, Seattle at the LA Chargers uh, because, you know, who loves chargering more than the Chargers? 37-23. to Gino Smith take a bow. Uh, Seattle dominate here with uh, Walker going for 168 and two touchdowns on the ground uh the defense looked good interception fumble like it, it almost looked like you know like an old school kind of p carroll defensive type thing and just the chargers couldn't get out of their own way juno was good 217 yards two touchdowns an interception and a fumble one of his like less impressive overall stat lines but just like reliable and with that type of run game and defense is going to be able to win you a lot of stuff herbert 315 yards two touchdowns an interception and a fumble he looked uh, like he was struggling a bit. Like they used Eckler a good bit for went for over 102 touchdowns, but short game wasn't working. There was a lot of drop passes or miscommunications. It was, yeah, it was just it was just mostly Seattle being able to do what they want with it and the Chargers playing catch up. I I I I love to see it. <laughs> I won't lie, I love to see it um, because yeah, I think. I think this is the problem. We've said this multiple times. That the problem with this Chargers team is they have some very talented players. I don't trust the coaches. I don't think they know enough of what they're doing. I don't know how. I don't know if they know how to approach certain things tactically. Like 
there is talent on the offense and the defense in this Chargers team that should have been able to exploit the Seattle team. And instead, Seattle looked like the team that came into the season expected to make the playoffs and make noise instead of but pretty much the inverse now. Seattle looked like they could make the playoffs and make a bit of noise. Chargers looked like they'd be happy to be able to scrape a seventh wild card. Like, it's it, it, it's not looking well for them. And I think this might be the start of the push out of the current coaching staff. Yeah, like, it feels like a game about identity, right? Like, Seahawks, the swag is back. Pete Carroll's out there on the sideline, swinging from side to side, munching his chewing gum, looking like he's having the most crack he's had in a decade. Um, since he won that Super Bowl and he because he's seeing the type of football that he likes seeing he's seeing really explosive runs from from uh, from Kenneth Walker who obviously unfortunately came in for the unfortunate Rashad Penny and has you know basically stepped in and gone for ridiculous yardage totals in two um, games in a row now um, you know 168 yards two touchdowns he knifed this game in the back um, when it looked like the Chargers might come back um, with a huge uh, 74 yard uh, touchdown run um, you see Gino Smith playing efficient mostly clean football he had a few iffy attempts early in this game but he got into his groove and 20 for 27 210 two touchdowns and obviously an interception is fine and you know he did that without leaning on DK Metcalf who weren't out early and, and thankfully will probably be back in this season um, and without necessarily leaning too much on Tyler Lockett there was two uh, impressive touchdowns to Marquise Goodwin who you know has all of the fun celebrations from his long jumping time um, and he you know I think Geno Smith he does what he's told. He's the perfect, you know, system quarterback, trailer quarterback. He's kind of like a Jimmy G type playmaker. Just do what you're told. Don't fuck up and let the rest of this stuff work. But I think if you're a Seahawks fan, I think you pointed out, Connor, the exciting thing is that this defense, which looked like the worst in the league only a month ago, suddenly is looking like those kind of aggressive Seahawks uh, defenses that we saw back in the Legion of Boom days where they're getting turnovers every game. You know, they get two turnovers here, they get a turnover on downs, they were really opportunistic early in this game, and you love to see it. Uh, Tariq Willem didn't get his interception, but, uh, you know, he probably could have, uh, you know, if he'd been more lucky. But uh, Ryan Neal stepped up, he was obviously filling in for Jamal Am, so that's great to see. It's just, like, really good to see a young, explosive offense grow together and that's what Pete Carroll I think has always wanted to do and he's always felt maybe kind of stuck back by having to fell in veterans I think veterans just kind of get sick of his thing after a while uh, but I think the mo- even more impressive than the early opportunism was that in the second half they didn't have to get these turnovers they were just shutting down the Chargers until they got that um, until they got that touchdown late in this game the Chargers didn't have a single score um, uh, like the, I think they had uh, four punts in a row um, or four, three punts and a downs in a row like they were just getting shut down straight up now White Williams is out at this point so that probably doesn't help and um, Keenan Allen was obviously playing a bit hurt he was an early um, game time de- like late game time decision so Eckler was really most of the offense but even given that given where this team was only a month ago you've got to be really excited as a Seahawks fan because we saw if you see what Geno Smith has done this year you add in an explosive run game you add in a defense you know we're cooking with gas now. Yeah. On the other hand, for the Chargers, we've we, you know Lombardi, the uh, the pass, the, the offensive coordinator. We've kind of said for a long time, he, him, and Herbert don't be like a good fit. Like he's not creating uh, explosive opportunities for Herbert. They're not creating that kind of um, 
uh, kind of play action, explosive games, creating open lanes for Herbert because we know we can throw it down the field, but it feels like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of West Coast concepts and stuff, which is fine, and Herbert's obviously doing the best what he can, but it's like, where's the explosion? Where's the excitement? It feels like you've got a Ferrari and you're making them go through a rally race. It just doesn't quite make sense. It hasn't quite made sense, it feels like, for the last two seasons, and I think if you're Brandon Staley, if you keep doing it this way, there's going to be major questions asked about this because your defense is still a bit of a mess, let's be perfectly frank. Your offense just looks bad, even though Justin Herbert is, we know, a really talented quarterback. So the whole thing is just its just off. It feels a bit like Jags plus. Like, it's better than the Jags, but it still feels that just... It doesn't quite go together, and there's just too many dissonant notes there to, to kind of trust the team going forward. Look, they're still above 500. They still definitely have a chance of making the playoffs, but they need to kind of get their shit together, let's be honest. No, big time, big time. Uh, yeah, and as I said... He's kind of looking at it, seeing what Gino Smith can do, and you kind of say, well, it means we know that we can do this with a with a lower type of quarterback or a lower cost quarterback. And then you look at what's happening in Denver, and you're very happy that that's who you guys well, ended up going. The, the swag thing might be a little bit related. To that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, as, as we always say, all games are important. Some are just slightly less important. Uh, so that's where we let Roland have those ones. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll throw it off to the dump off. Yeah, yeah, dump off uh, for week seven. Like, look, to be honest, this wasn't a great game, and some of the games we talked about weren't better than these games, but they were more interesting, I suppose. And those blowouts weren't expected, of course, like, say, Tampa Bay. Uh, but let's start with Kansas City San Francisco, a team that definitely is maybe considered a little bit more analysis, but, like, uh, Kansas City, they go down by 10 points, but, like, against Mahomes, that's like, whatever, I don't really give a fuck. It's like being on, it's like long third downs. Like, Kansas City just, like, eat that shit for breakfast, let's be honest. Um, so after that 10-point deficit early, Mahomes just kind of took over this game, and once the second half got going, they absolutely annihilated uh, San Francisco from the face of the earth with a what is a very explosive, a more explosive, by the stats offense than it was last year with this diverse attack where Juju's over 100 yards, MBS is over 100 yards, Kelsey's nearly 100 yards, Hartman has three touchdowns. Just like this offense, as we talked about, has that upside with Mahomes at the at the wheel at the wheel. You know, if you have diversity here and you can't predict what's going to happen, things get very scary very quickly. And even though the run game wasn't huge in terms of its numbers, it was effective here. And it's a really mix of CEH and Pacheco and a little bit uh, of McKinnon. And that it's just really hard to predict this offense. And this feels like it could be growing into something that by the season end could be a match for someone like the Bills, who obviously lost the last week. On the other hand, like San Francisco, we know who they are. They mix in a little bit of CMC here, but this was mostly the same San Francisco offense we've seen in recent times. And unfortunately, Jimmy G, once the game got ahead, away from him, once Kansas City took a, took, a, took this game away, when they had over 400 yards and three touchdowns from Mahomes, um, Jimmy G kind of fell apart. He had two turnovers. Um, like He was good early in the game, but two turnovers later on kind of killed off uh, this game as a contest. And San Francisco's defense, which started well with the, with the interception, um, basically just got worn down uh, by the supremacy of this Kansas City offense. And the Kansas City grew into the game as they kind of have, were put into more passing, obvious passing down situations where we know Spags is at its best. Next up, a shock Monday night win for Chicago, 33-14 over the Patriots. Yeah, a really interesting game um, insofar as, well, not the most watchable given the weather and some of the play. Uh, Justin Fields comes in and looks good. Why? Because they chose to use Justin Fields as a running quarterback who could have foreseen that this would work. But yeah, Justin Fields, 179 yards, a touchdown interception passing, 82 yards uh, rushing. Uh, he also made the rest of the rushing game work well, about 120 yards between Montgomery and Herbert. Yeah, it just looked like it made sense and it kind of begs the question why they haven't done this sooner. Let's see if they can build on this in weeks to come. On the other hand, the New England Patriots, their defense looked 
shot, let's be honest, they have pretty good statistics, like an interception, five sacks, five targets for a loss, but overall just didn't look ready for this new look Chicago defense, so, you know, big problem for Bill Belichick not being able to adjust in-game. And on the other hand, the quarterback position is a complete mess right now. Mac Jones starts this game after coming off his injury, but is pulled after a few series, after throwing an interception. Bailey Zappi comes in, looks well for two tries, gets him back into this game at the half, uh, but in the second half just completely disappears and throws two picks um, that end up costing them the game. And, you know, for Chicago, their young defense, guys like Jaquan Brisker, um, and Kyler Gordon make plays, so that's good for them to see. But yeah, in a night where Bill Belichick was hoping to pass George Salas in the wins column, um, it turned out his old team had one final uh, trick up their sleeve. Next up, the Jets at Denver, 16-9. The Jets squeak a win. Obviously, losing Brees Hall is a huge loss for this team. We'll see where they go from going forward, but they at least they get the win here, thanks to Brees Hall's early touchdown and a few Legatron tree, uh, field goals, 3-3 three three out of here. And that was enough to complement the defense, which is just taking away wide receivers every week um, with uh, Sauce Gardner, obviously, doing really well, DJ Reed being really effective. Um, and that was enough alongside solid run defense uh, to carry Wilson, who just it doesn't look like he... I don't know. I don't know about Wilson. He looks too like Mark Sanchez right now, but... Look, we'll, we'll give, he'll have a lot more on his plate going forward, so we'll see what he can do with that. On the other hand, the fill-in ripian uh, for Denver, 2-2-2-5, two, 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 an interception. Like, he's bad, like Russell Wilson, but just in different ways. He's willing to throw over the middle a bit more, but he's not that accurate. He doesn't seem that dynamic, and the offense was just very inconsistent. Like, they had uh, three turnovers here, one interception and two on downs, and just, like, they just never looked like they were going to get back in this game despite being given numerous opportunities by the Jets to do. So the Jets' defense just looked like the best unit on the on the, on the the field, and they are able to do that. Denver's defense, solid, to be fair, are doing a solid job. They're still working hard, but it's very much in vain right now. Next up, New Orleans at Arizona, 34-42. A, at least an exciting Thursday night football. Uh, something actually happened. We'll take that, I suppose. Dalton, who actually, you know, 3-6-1, four touchdowns. Oh, that sounds good. Two pick sixes to end the first half, which basically gave Arizona the win here. So Andy Dalton's capacity to implode in himself at prime time has not been uh, effect, unaffected by his uh, time on the sidelines of the backup. Um, like to be fair, he was good outside that, but you know, two pick sixes is a, it's kind of hard to overlook. And I think he's hurt right now. So now you have a maximum every quarterback is hurt QB controversy in Saints and they just look like they're going a little bit off rails at the moment uh, but Arizona they took those two pick sixes it gave them a big lead and they were able to hang on Murray definitely looked like he appreciated the return of DeAndre Hopkins over 100 yards for Hopkins and uh, nearly half of Murray's 234 yards um, and Eno Benjamin looked pretty solid in the run game filling in for uh, for James Conner over 100 yards and a touchdown overall um, and the defense, which similar to Seattle was awful a month ago, is starting to get something together. They're not looking quite as bad. They're not good, but they're not quite as bad. Uh, but given that you won't get 14 free points every uh, week, I'm not quite convinced that Arizona are perhaps what the scores line says they are here. Next up, uh, Sunday Night Football, Pittsburgh at Miami, 10-16. to Miami win a close game. We kind of said in the preview last week that this is a game that you know, both these teams have struggled to score, and so it came to be. Uh, Tua definitely looked a little bit rusty here. Like the, the stats look good, 2-7-6 and a touchdown, but there's nearly three or four turnovers that he could have had in this game. Um, there was a few like run attempts where he got hit, um, where you're kind of groaning a little bit, given obviously the concussion stuff he's dealing with. And so, look, the Pittsburgh defense, they weren't amazing, but they definitely were holding Miami in check after they went up 13 points early on. They just seemed to just stop going. It's been a bit of a trend with Miami this year, like I talked about last week, so definitely something to keep an eye on going forward for a team that's 
you know, in our heads we imagine to be explosive given all the weapons they have. On the other hand, Pittsburgh's offense, once again, terrible. Three interceptions for Pickett um, to basically completely offset his 257 yards and a touchdown. Um, the defense smothered him, and those two interceptions came on his final two drives. So Pittsburgh were always in this game, obviously given the final score, but they just never were able to turn that into something where they could get ahead of Miami and overturn that early deficit. But like, there's no run game going for them. The, the defense is up and down. Um, so it's a tough situation for Pickett, but like right now, early showing is not great for the rookie. Next up, Detroit at Dallas, 6 to 24. Oh my God! Please, Detroit, stop, stop making us depressed. You were so fun early on. Uh, Dallas were solid. Uh, you know, Dak came back over 200 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't amazing, but he didn't make any mistakes, and it definitely looked like he was growing into the game uh, rather than trying to take over the game. Um, the rush game was effective over 140 yards and two touchdowns between uh, Zeke and Pollard. That's a really good tandem they have there. And the defense was really the star of the show. Um, four turnovers, five sacks, five tackles for a loss. They just absolutely annihilated Jared Goff from the uh, face of the earth. Uh, he was responsible for all the turnovers in this game. And look, look they're missing DeAndre Swift. Amon Ra is well, left this game early with a concussion, so he's obviously missing his best weapons. But even given that, this is a truly depressing situation. Given that you know only two games ago they had the most explosive offense in the league, uh, but the defense is at least getting a little bit better. So I suppose there's there's some things coming together. All right, uh, next up Atlanta at Cincinnati, 17 to 35. Cincinnati, the the hype is building up again. Like the, given where the AFC North is, I think. You know, some of us are probably going, maybe these two will be the favourites again after a, a, a slow start of the season. Burrow just went ballistic on this Atlanta defence. Over five, five, 501 yards, four touchdowns, including a rush uh, touchdown. He just absolutely had his way uh, early on. And they slowed down a little bit towards the end. But basically, to right, he could have taken them at will. Boyd had over 100 yards. Chase had, over, had 100 yards. He had two touchdowns as well. Higgins even nearly got 100 yards. Atlanta... They're just weird because like they were behind early in this game, but they just kept running the ball. They just would not pass the ball. They had one big pass to Demir Bird, but outside that, um, I think Mariota had like about 70 yards or so passing. Really weird situation for them. I think fantasy people are particularly annoyed because they, you know, they drafted Kyle Pitts. They've drafted Drake London and high in the first round the last few years, and yet they don't have a pass game. Look, I get that it works against lesser teams, but in a situation where there's, you know, you know, you're against a better team, you're in a big deficit, you know. Being so unwilling to try out the rookie like Ritter, being so unwilling to just let Mariota pass the ball a bit, it was very unusual. Atlanta just kind of gave up, it felt like. Um, but for Cincinnati, hey, look, they think they'll take whatever they can and uh, they move up, continue to move up the AFC standings. And finally, Houston at Vegas Raiders, 20 to 38. Uh, Josh Jacobs' uh, comeback has, has you know, overshadowed by Saquon, but outside Saquon, this is truly a really impressive season for Jacobs 155 yards and three touchdowns overall and um, they basically after a kind of back and forth first half 10 to 10 um, Jacobs and Carr just took over um, and dominated this game Carr was comfy kind of just moving the chains with Adams he had 241 yards of touchdown and Houston just once they went behind they just kind of lost their identity and capacity to stay in this game I think they're just a team not designed to come back and you know they have one good thing that's Damian Pierce he had 100 yards there again but Mills once the pressure was on he just kind of collapsed after having a solid first part of the season, uh, part of this game. 300 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Better, but it's so game script reliant for them to actually do anything. Um, so for Houston, you know, they continue to be one of the worst teams in the league. But I think at least some embers of hope there um, based on that first half. But there's such a, it's such a specific way they have to win every week and it's, it's tough. Um, so that's the dump off for week seven. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. So Thursday night football. Uh, first up, we have Baltimore at Tampa Bay. We've gone for Baltimore across the board here. Look, we discussed it earlier. Is Tom Brady 
cooked is he gone at this point will they be able to make it back this is a Thursday night football game they're at home so it does favour them a little bit this is a team that has a exploitable defence at times and quite often as we said can't get out of its own way the Ravens love collapsing in the second half of games and don't know how to close them out at the moment so there's always that kind of chance but personally for me I know we've all gone for Baltimore across the board here I I don't see this kind of Tom Brady return to form thing now like we've said it many a time before and I'm sure he'll just like to prove us wrong again but I don't know like can, can you guys see it I, I just don't think they have the answers I think they don't their offense is malfunctioning and they don't know how to fix it and there's just so many problems right now and it's just it doesn't look like a team that is problem solving on the run and and that's going to be a problem against a team like the Ravens who are well coached who have a really good defense um, who are doing quite well this season, and obviously you've got on the offense people like Lamar Jackson. Um, it's just hard to see the Bucks in this particular shape that they're in. You know, being even being competitive against the Ravens team. Now the Ravens, I mean, yeah, they're liable to collapse, and and if there could be a fourth quarter meltdown, I mean, that's always a liability here. But that at least requires the other team to have some sort of dynamism in their on their offenses. So I just. I mean, the, the books just aren't scoring any points. So, I yeah. mean, it doesn't really matter if if the Ravens start collapsing. I just, it's, yeah, it, it's hard to see how the books in this, the state that they're in, how they win a football game, to be honest with you, no matter who they're playing. Never mean, never mind probably the, maybe the, th- the, act, the team is probably the third best team in the, in the AFC, I would say. Yeah, like you, you never want to count out Tom Brady, but things are looking pretty grim for him overall. He just, he actually just looks physically grim right now. Let's be perfectly does, frank. Yeah. Um, I think if Baltimore saw last week, the big thing they might take away is that, like, look, Baltimore's traditional run game has been a bit slow this year. Um, they've dealt with some injuries and stuff like that. So you know, the Gus Bus came back, looked pretty solid last week. Get a lot of yards for him this game. Not have to involve Lamar as much in the running game, though. Obviously, he will obviously be sprinkled in. And I think. Getting their pass offense back on track would definitely also be a positive. I think for Baltimore, we would definitely like to see them have a dominant game here. And against a Tampa Bay team that's ailing, that's certainly possible. For Tampa Bay, we know what they need to do. They need to get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin involved more. Chris Godwin look, looks a little bit injured still, let's be frank. So we'll see if they can get back on track. They need to be able to run the ball with Lenny Fournette again. And the defense needs to step up and not put up the shit show they put up last week. But yeah, based on form, you have to pick Baltimore right now. Yeah. Next up, Denver at Jacksonville at London. Um, we've gone for Jacksonville across the board here. This is oh, good God! They're, they're just they're just lucky that there's so few games that people will pay to go whatever fucking dross is on because this is not a good matchup. Jacksonville should be able to get right here in this one. Um, the only question is realistically, are Denver actually better off without Russell Wilson at the moment? There'll be some new pieces in place, as I understand it. I think Marlon Mack has been signed. Uh, to be a starting running back for uh, for Denver into the mix on this game as well. There is no such thing as a starting running back in Denver. It's like whatever random lots they draw on the sideline. Yeah, there, 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 there is there is a wider question to be asked about like yeah, was it like how come how come Melvin Gordon was getting a fifty fifty share with your boy, but as soon as he went injured, he can't take touches away from a guy signed off a practice squad. Like it's. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all a bit messy at the moment, but yeah, look, this will be at least I think re- relatively evenly matched. Uh, I think Jacksonville should win, and I think it should be nice to have a bit of a air the ball out a little bit and have a bit of fun against you know with, with a bit of a home crowd behind them. The problem is this is in terms of how shite Denver are, they've still got a decent enough defense, so it might be a very grim, low-scoring kind of one. Um, next up, we have Carolina at Atlanta. Um, 
Yes. You, you, your, your eyes are not deceiving you. You might be thinking, oh, this game doesn't require analysis. But no, actually, if Carolina <laughs> win this game and Tampa Bay lose against Baltimore in Thursday Night Football, Carolina will be the sole, well, they'll be the leaders in the NFC South. Yes. And for a team that two weeks ago was literally unwatchable, that is something quite interesting to see right there. Yep. They've, announced, <laughs> they've announced that PJ Walker is going to be the starter in this game, saying he's earned it, and he has, frankly, given the performance of Baker Mayfield and XFL and love. All, everyone else. Uh, Carolina, obviously, you know they get rid of CMC, and finally, with that dead weight off the team, they're starting to do a little bit better. Um, the question is, can they actually do anything against this very unusual... I, I'm still struggling with it, this very unusual Falcons team. Like, they don't pass. Like, they were behind heavily, and they threw, like... 10 passes yeah. while behind like it's just it's very confusing whereas this Carolina team if they can get a little bit ahead and they can get that kind of run game performance you could, you could see them just being like a, not a very exciting but a, a controllable and winnable game yeah like like I, I think we all want to see okay that thing happened last week Carolina give us one more week and then we'll start picking you week to week but just the the stink of what they did for the first month of this season or so it's just so bad that I'm willing to give Atlanta a chance because they've at least been consistently okay with the dude but yeah it has been perplexing to see how unwilling Atlanta are to well Connor's obviously picking Carolina now but anyway um, <laughs> it's perplexing to the, the, the lengths the lengths that Atlanta are going to to not use Kyle Pitts and Drake London after actually using him a bit at least in the first few weeks yeah. it, it's really it's really confusing. I know Mariota's not a good passer, but he's not that bad of a passer. And if he is that bad of a passer, you should be playing Desmond Ritter. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a messy one. Like, but yeah. like, I, I just want to say, I mean, I know the Panthers had a really good win uh, last week, but they're not actually that good a team. <laughs> Whereas at least the Falcons have a little bit of, you know, spiciness to them. You can see them beating teams. I, I don't know. I just this Carolina team are pretty pretty dire, uh, notwithstanding the result that they just had. I mean, it's a situation where if you're in a game where PJ Walker's looking good, I mean that's not a that's not a clear indicator of the quality of your team. Mm. But this is the thing: it's a topsy turvy world. I think the Atlanta team are also terrible. This is a matchup between two terrible teams, but yeah, one of them's going to yeah, win. True. <laughs> like, the, the NFC uh, South is bad, but it's kind of got that chaotic bad that I'm actually I'm okay with. I'm intrigued to see where this goes yeah. for the rest of the season. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think people have to make shy, make, make, make hay before the uh, Cordero Patterson return to then like overrun the league again in his like age thirty four running back season. Uh, next up, Sean, we have Chicago at Dallas. We've gone for Dallas across the board. Yeah, I mean it. It should be not much of a contest. The Bears are not a good team on either side of the ball, especially offensively. They can't seem to get anything going. Justin Fields is being misused and will likely burn away a good part of his early career um, being misused whereas the Cowboys are they're really good defensively Micah Parsons etc they're one, probably one of the best defenses in the league and they've now got their offense clicking again with, with Dak Prescott back and, and the running game with Pollard and Zeke is, is clicking so the, the Cowboys look like they're I mean strange to say they do seem like a team that they're actually coming together um, um, whereas the Bears I mean I, I don't even know where to start with this team this team needs to be completely re overhauled and yeah. start again so the Cowboys should be comfortable yeah, yeah. I am pre-wincing for Field because he will probably get destroyed in this game again <laughs> I can imagine so uh, next up Vegas at New Orleans Ronan um, 
Like, yeah, give it a few weeks and Vegas might be relevant. But, you know, their hole is, they're in a very big hole. They're only on two wins. But they've, over the last three weeks or the last month or so, they've developed into what they hoped they would be. They've got a really, really effective run game with Josh Jacobs. Um, Derek Carr is looking comfortable in kind of more of a secondary role. And they've got Amps is getting involved more. They have Matt Collins and uh, Hunter Renfro back in the wide receiver rotation. The defense seems to be stepping up a little bit. So I think Vegas, they're the form team and New Orleans are just kind of a mess right now quarterback situation no idea running back with Kamara has been very up and down the defense has been a major disappointment so Vegas will take the form team who seems to be on the up and uh, send New Orleans further into irrelevance yeah. although the NFC side they'll never be totally irrelevant I suppose uh, I don't know I, I, I still don't I'm still not sure about this Vegas team but I, I'd see I'm not sure are, but I, I'm willing to trust them yeah yeah uh, Sean, Miami at Detroit. We've gone for Miami across the board. Uh, is this is this a vote of confidence for Miami with Tua back, or is this a vote in the opposite direction for poor Detroit? Yeah, it's a bit of, and from my perspective, and it's a bit of a groan and an accepting that the Lions are they're just not a good team. Uh, I mean, they they've looked for the first few weeks like a really good offense paired with a really bad defense resulting in ridiculously high scoring games but even the offense the last two times they've played I mean I think it's six points total over the last two two games they've played so that's obviously not a very good place to be um, it kind of feels like with the injuries that the Lions have had offensively um, and, and the various pieces coming and going and that they've maybe been figured out a tiny bit um, but their defense is still terrible so now they've gone from winning games 38-35 to, to losing games 38-6 or whatever. So I'm not too confident. On the other side, the Dolphins look pretty solid. Um, obviously, their offense isn't quite firing at the level it needs. Even with Tua in there, they weren't scoring a tremendous amount of yeah. points. But they, I mean, they do have exciting things, Waddle and, and Hill, etc. They do have better pieces. I mean, it could be a high-scoring game if the Lions offense gets going. But uh, even if it gets into a shootout, I, 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 I struggle to see the Lions just stopping the Dolphins at any point. So, uh, yeah, you have to go for the Dolphins here, I think. Yeah, next up we have Arizona at Minnesota. We've gone from Minnesota across the board. Uh, obviously, Arizona get the win last week. They get some nice play out of their defense. They've got, like, Duke Hopkins back and stuff like that. But this is, as we've said, a Minnesota team that is better than previous years have been. They seem to be good at working around the limitations that they have. Is this a spot where, you know, actually Arizona might be able to pull together and cause a bit of an upset? Or what do we think, like... You know, I, I, the, the defense in Arizona, to me, doesn't have the pieces to be able to shut down the weapons on the Minnesota attack. But to be honest, sometimes Minnesota forget they're there. And, like, you know, <laughs> there was that game where they just didn't really use Justin Jefferson at all. So, like, it could happen. But what do you think? Yeah, like, the Cardinals' defense has kind of been a bit strange. Like, they gave 34 points away to the Saints, but they... Only allowed 20 points so to the Eagles and the Seahawks, who obviously have really explosive offense, as we all know and expected. Um, so it's it's a bit of a situation here where I'm not quite sure to read on the Arizona defense, but I do think the Minnesota offense, we know, and we've seen enough explosive things here, and this game isn't in prime time. So you would expect that Kirk Cousins will come out here. He'll be able to find Justin Jefferson. He'll be able to find Alan Thielen in the red zone. Uh, KJ Osborne and Irv Smith can make contributions to passing game as well. And Dalvin Cook, who hasn't quite been at the level that you'd expect, I think he's been pretty solid overall as well. So this Minnesota offense just has so many weapons that it's hard to shut them down completely. And in a game where Arizona will have to score a lot of points, they, they've never 
never been quite there. Now, I think with DeAndre Hopkins back, I think definitely give Arizona more of a shot because that just seemed to be something that just makes the offense make way more sense. Uh, the relationship between Kyler and D-Hop just seems to be at a way different level than he had the relationship he has with any other wide receiver on his team, and he just makes him look better every game. So, Arizona, they're a team that traditionally has tailed off in the season, but with D-Hop back, maybe they can make a run, but Minnesota, they're 5-1. and one. They're due some respect, so I think overall I'm willing to say that they, they should get this done at home. Yeah. It's not prime time, so I'm picking Minnesota, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the Viking the Vikings are solid, but um, unreliable. Whereas the there's just so much chaos with the Cardinals, you just never know which one's going to turn up. So uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta go with the sensible option here, and the, the boring. I mean, the Vikings. I mean, they're I don't know how they're, they're five and one or something, aren't they? I don't know how that happened. Yeah. it's just ridiculous. Like I don't. Yeah. They, they they got the Giants like shrouding them. It's like everyone should be talking <laughs> Minnesota five and one, but it's like Giants six and one. It's like you know, <laughs> get out of the way, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. We got Philly across the board here, Sean. Um, like, there's only so much this Pittsburgh defense can do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a. Uh... The problem with the Steelers are, I mean, they are quite a good defense, even though they seem to, they were missing a lot of pieces with their injuries, but even still, they've been getting performances, but the the offense just is non-productive in any sense, regardless if it's Pickett or, or Mitch Titties at quarterback, they just can't seem to score, I mean, it, it's, I think I said this last week, it's, it's basically headline news when this team scores 20 points, which when you're facing a Philly team, which looks... Uh, like the best, possibly the best team in the NFC, the way things are going at the moment. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts seems to be getting into his groove. It, it, the the offense seems to be to be clicking, and their defense seems to be kind of scary good. I mean, it's it's there's just much more reliability on the Eagles' side of the ball. Whereas the Steelers, it's hard to see the game scenario in which the Steelers manage to win because they'll have to they'll have to clamp down on the offense enough to get into contention and and also their offense is going to have to overcome this strong defense and it's hard to see both those two things happening in in one game yeah uh, next up your pick of the week so new england are traveling up to the Meadowlands to take on the new york jets uh, and of course in classic bill belichick fashion he had their best player crippled in advance of the match <laughs> <laughs> from the grassy knoll himself uh yeah he's he never stops i mean i did i do think this is quite a tight one and I did actually originally have the Jets picked but uh, the loss of Hall the more I think about it it's just like that offense is going to struggle to get going especially if they have to lean on the, the passing game which puts Zach Wilson into the into Belichick's target and we know what Belichick can do with inspect, uh, inexperienced uh, quarterbacks and if he takes that away I mean the Jets are they're, they're you know really scrappy team i love watching them they, they never say die and they fight to the bitter end and they will definitely cause a challenge but the this past team is turning into a weird kind of grinding machine where that they, they just go into games and they just take them by the scruff of their neck and they slowly suffocate the team they're playing against uh, and they their offense the offense isn't brilliant but it's functional and the defense is starting to look get a little bit of that belichick spiciness to it so if the jets were healthy I could definitely see them winning this game because of the of the state there, and especially in a home game. But I just feel that there's just this these in, this injury, particularly Hall injury, puts just too much question marks on the Jets at the moment. So I, I gotta go with the Pats um, to to you know to, to Belichick this one up and and win a, a low scoring game. Yeah, no, yeah, just... like Be- Belichick's been feasting on these kind of secondary quarterbacks. Obviously, donutted Jared Goff, destroyed Brissett destroyed Trubisky earlier in the season. Now he gets Zach Wilson, who's been very ineffective. 
I think next, the week after that, they get uh, Sam Erlinger, which we'll talk about in a moment, for the Colts. Then Zach Wilson again. And then to finish off November, Kirk Cousins in prime time. <laughs> so we might be looking at a month of Bill Belichick destroying quarterback souls uh, for the next uh, month after doing it for the last month or so. So, yeah, like I think, look, the Patriots, they're very weird. It doesn't quite make sense. I think Mac Jones, he, he was back last week. He'll be again, back here again uh, this week. It, it's all kind of coming together, it feels like. And the defense has been really impressive um, against these lesser guys, the, the Jones and the defensive backs. And everything everything seems to be coming together for the Patriots. Um, and I think it's the Jets. They, they might take the shine off what's a, obviously a very fun start to their season. Yeah, uh, no, I disagree with that. I just think the New England defense is going to cause problems. I think if Hall was there, it would still be a a, a, a tighter game. But I would be favoring the Jets. But with him gone, I just yeah, I'm just not sure they have enough time to to work out something that won't leave them overly exposed in the passing game. Next up, Tennessee at Houston. Ugh, uh, Tennessee across the board. This is not going to be exciting. Although it should be quick. Um, hand, hand the ball off each team this, 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 this is going to be with. each side running 45 to 50 times so it should be quick um, but yeah it's Tennessee are going to win the game I'd say fairly handily Houston are doing admirably in some of these games and, and staying in them and there's great performances from the rookie Damon Pierce and things like that but like they're not really at the races here Tennessee should be able to take this now I, I think I don't I don't massively rate Tennessee either but um yeah, like Houston could do a surprise upset, but I'm just not seeing it at the moment. I think Tennessee are just good at winning these stupid games that they should, so we'll just just leave it at that. Next up to my pick of the week, a bit more exciting, I would say. Uh, the Giants taking on the Seattle Seahawks. I've gone for the Seahawks. You guys have gone for the Giants here. It's a matchup that, you know, if you told me a couple of weeks ago this would be one that I'd be interested in and be picking for a pick of the week, I would have thought you were insane. Uh, but look... Gino is showing his skills. The running game is really getting going with uh, with with Ken Walker there, and the defense, as we said, was was really spicing themselves up yesterday. Uh, whenever they were playing, then on the other side, we're talking about which I mentioned several times now a Giants team that have you know they've they've only lost one game so far. They've really gotten their run game going. Daniel Jones is playing himself into a franchise tag. He's also got himself on the ground moving as well. I think the biggest question mark is that they do have a lot of banged up. Uh, players in their wide receiver course so they'll be, they'll be moving on to some like kind of third and fourth choice guys to be out there receiving for them Seattle will be down DK Metcalf but still has Lockett going crazy which by the way I've just been loving this entire season of Lockett making making what I would call um business decisions of i refuse to ever be tackled i will catch the ball and drop onto the floor instantly in almost every single circumstances and uh fair news to him because it's working and he's extending his own career a bit with it so uh solid stuff i think this is going to be very exciting i think we're going to see defensive stuff we're going to see good running games and we're going to see some explosive plays over the top and i'm going to go with uh seattle but you guys are going for the giants is anything you want to add on their side well, I just, I mean, the Giants, they're on such a great run and they, they, they come into every game with a clear game plan and they, 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 they're really well coached. Both sides of the ball, they're starting to, to you know, the, the defense causes you, asks you questions that a lot of teams don't have answers for. The offense is, is, is executing the plan as it goes. I mean, it's just, it's hard to see how this train gets derailed by the Seattle Seahawks, to be honest. I mean, I think they'll run into problems, the Giants, once they get into better teams. But I, I just, I mean, the Seahawks are a fun team, but they're not necessarily a good team. So I, I got to give it to the Giants, I think. Yeah, I'm just uh, min-maxing my happiness levels and getting a, <laughs> getting a pick here if I have to. But, like, look, I think this is a really fun outtake. Like, the thing is, like, obviously, these teams have both had really successful starts of the season. But I don't think any of us are quite 
ready to go, oh yes, they're definitely going to be that. Like obviously the Giants have won a lot of games, but have been a little bit lucky. The Seahawks have been incredibly up and down, and obviously they look like they might be growing something really great in terms of the defense. Kenny Walker looks like a stud. So like, I think the big thing for these two teams, they look like they're enjoying themselves. They both got two coaches that are maximizing to very young rosters, and they just look like, you know, I don't know if either of these are the finished product this season, but both of them look fun, and they look excited, and they look like they're ready to play every week, and I think given some of the other teams we have in the NFL, particularly in the NFC right now, I'm happy to take that right now, and uh, I hope it's just a good game. Should be an exciting one. Uh, Yeah, because this late slate is kind of like up and down wildly, so we have the Tennessee game, Boo. We have this one. Yay. And then we have Washington at Indianapolis, which we're going to kick to you, Ronan. Just for context, we've just got news breaking while we're recording. Sam Ellinger, who is their 2021 six-round pick, has been announced by Frank Reich as going to be the starter. The statement is that Matt Ryan has a shoulder injury, but this is nothing to do with the shoulder injury. He has been announced as the starter for the rest of the season. And regardless of injury status of Ryan, uh, Ellinger is now planned to be the starter. We talked in this one already about that Ryan was not looking up to scratch. Uh, it makes me feel better about my randomly picking Indianapolis to win this one, though. <laughs> yeah, like both these teams are relevant, right? Like Indianapolis are exactly 500, 3-3-1. Three, three I think Washington are three and four, which puts them, I think, one game out of the wild card spot right now. So, like, they are relevant, but these these teams are just too dumb right now. They just like mm. I just don't want to see them. Like, these teams could be interesting in a few weeks because obviously they're still in the hunt. But right now they're just boring and dull. And even like I know Heineke won against Green Bay, but that was mostly because Green Bay were shit and terrible. So I saw enough from Heineke that maybe we'll see something. But for now, both these teams these. these need to start showing us that they're worth watching uh but we'll give you know we're spinning here washington for me and sean uh, indianapolis for you but like any given week either of these teams can do anything yeah. so um it's really just a complete random clusterfuck to be honest no of course uh next up san fran at the la rams uh me and fitz have gone for san fran sean's gone for the rams um yeah essentially time to see if cmc and all these weapons on offense can finally kind of work together nicely and and, and and delivered then they had a week or so to to get to know each other like cmc was out playing and he played well against the chiefs but he'd only been in the building for two days so like he wasn't really up to speed yeah, yet. yeah but he 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 got that playbook before he got on the plane everyone wanted to tell you about that mm, yeah, yeah uh and then he hopped on he's the so, plane he's so gritty and he works so hard i know little, little lunch pail type you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> the uh but yeah, so this is like, this is a San Francisco team that uh, somewhat underwhelms at times, but now has an incredible number of weapons on that offense. They have like you know top end tight end, top end running back, top wide receiver, very very good wide receiver too, top like right tackle, decent line, like everything should be working here. And in theory, they have a very good defense, but it has been quite badly banged up recently. But a lot of them are coming back from injuries, so that's why I'm sharing on the side of San Francisco and the positives on the negatives for the Rams. My take is they need to figure some things out because their offense has looked god-awful all the way up to the season at this point. They need to remember that there's someone not called Cooper Cup that they could throw the ball at. And I'm not sure if it's Allen Robinson. I did think he was going to have a good year, but it just doesn't seem to be working with them. I don't know if it's scheme or whether he's just lost it. But We are yeah. all fading Allen Robinson in both senses of the word. Yeah. Because that's but, all he does, fades in the red zone. Yeah. Otherwise, it apparently does not exist. But yeah, it's uh, it, 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 these ones are always good games, though. Like it's kind of like NFC West divisional crack. Like it's uh, it's normally it's normally a good 
angry toe-to-toe one. I am worrying these days a little bit about Sam France coaching, though, to be honest. And I know everyone's like, oh, sure, we're overthinking it if you're thinking that. Like, I don't think he actually knows how to play from behind in a game. They don't. They're terrible from behind. And yeah. obviously that means the Rams have a chance. But look, Shanahan has traditionally had the hoodoo over McVeigh. They obviously won earlier this year against the Rams. Kind of unusual to have this kind of used up by week uh, eight, uh, but whatever. Um, but for me, like, look, San Francisco, they have been up and down, but you've seen the building blocks of them being a NFC contender, albeit a kind of weak field in the NFC. Mm. You know, the run game works effectively. Obviously, with CMC, that should take a step up. It'll be interesting to see how much they get him involved in the passing game uh, and how much they mix into him and Debio, maybe in the dark at the same time. Obviously, with Jimmy G at the, at, at the controls, it's, there's a bit of a limit to what they can do, but so many yards after the catch weapons and George Kittle looks like he's getting back to health. They look okay and the defense, while it, uh, every week it's the new person gets an injury like Aufanga, he gets a concussion so he might play here but like overall the defense has been impressive where the Rams have just been I don't like the Rams. They haven't played well. They've only beaten bad teams. So, look, maybe the Rams come out of the bye. Sean McVay, we know, is a really good coach. He's worked respect, and they, they, they kind of get this thing sorted. But right now, based on what we saw before the bye, uh, it's hard for me to pick the Rams right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see that the, the case is being made. Obviously, the Rams are not having a very good season. but And I the, obviously, the Niners' hoodoo over the Rams is real, and the performance in Week 4 was was pretty poor from the Rams, but I just, I, I feel this team is too talented to let this season completely slip away, and I think given a bye week, given they know they're playing a divisional rival, given McVeigh's going to, you know, have been scheming all all week, they're going to come into this game with a plan, and I, I just I just have a feeling that, also in the Niners, I mean, as, I, as we've said, they're up and down, the injuries have hurt them in certain ways, they're still trying to reintegrate their pieces, or in the case of CMC, integrate a new piece. Uh, I think the Rams, if they if they can get the momentum early and they get a, a few scores early, then they could hold on to this game. But uh, I think it is all about the start. I think if the if the Niners start well, the the Rams could be in trouble. If the Rams start well, then they could easily win this game. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Green Bay at Buffalo. We've gone for Buffalo across the board here. Um, yeah, Green Bay are out of sorts. They need to figure out their offense. It's not going to be a place the Buffalo guys are just playing out of their skin at the moment. Uh, they're coming off a bye as well, if I remember correctly. So, like, like I think just take DMT yourself and hopefully fantasize how Green Bay can, can win this one because I don't see a fucking snowball's chance in hell. Yeah, but, like, I think... We're all kind of like, oh, you know, Green Bay are terrible. Buffalo should win this easily. But, like, it's still Aaron Rodgers. So, like, like, I think we're running out this. And this is, like, not last chance to because Buffalo are so good. But certainly, if they lose against Buffalo easily, if they lose another game or two, then we'll probably be willing to put Green Bay fully in the bin. But we kind of have, you know, given what they've done over the last few years, they, they, they deserve some respect. But, look, Buffalo are the best team in the NFL right now, except maybe the Eagles or perhaps the Chiefs. But obviously, they beat the Chiefs, so we'll say Buffalo better than the Chiefs. Um, so they should win this game on Sunday Night Football. But, you know, Green Bay, I'm willing to give them a little bit of respect here, but they just got to show something. And they need to start figuring something out how to beat man coverage, because right now that's beating the ass of them on in terms of Aaron Rodgers' game. Yeah, I mean, the Bills are just by... I mean, I think they're the, by far the most talented team in the league at the moment. And a Green Bay team that's struggling on the offense against a deep this this elite defense, it's really hard to see this. It's hard to see this being the get-right game. It's hard to see Rodgers deciding that this is the game where they suddenly start to solve all their problems. If they can't beat Washington, I, I struggle to see how they're going to overcome this Bills defense. Yeah. And uh, finally, we have Cincinnati at Cleveland. This is your pick of the week, Ronan. Tell us a bit. 
Yeah, this is the bury the Browns game. This is where you come into your uh, state rival and you put them, you banish them to the shadow realm, and you make it so that when Deshaun Watson comes back, Cleveland are already too deep in the hole to be any factor in the playoff hunt, and you establish that you are uh, perhaps alongside Baltimore, the top dogs in the AFC North, which has been a little bit disappointing overall. And given where they were a month ago, Cincinnati obviously had a tough start to the season. The last two or three weeks, they've just seemed they've got their swag back. Jamar Chase is making the explosive plays again. Uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are making big plays. Even Joe Mixon looks a little bit better. He's still not where you'd like, but it's a little bit better than it was early in the season. So maybe this offensive line is gelling. Uh, maybe Joe Burrow's just got c- cutting the rust off and getting back to Joe Burrow swag mode. Uh, whatever it is, the offense is looking like the kind, like the offense that we were all scared of and were so excited about last year. And the defense, while still not being a spectacular unit, has looked solid. I think if Trey Hendrickson is missing this game due to the stinger, that's definitely a loss. He's such a major important part of keeping that solid defensive line going but overall they looked okay outside of the occasional Eli Apple big play of course uh, Sean's keeping track of those of course uh, for us thankfully um, <laughs> on the other hand Cleveland look they have a game plan it's fine they run the ball well with Nick Chubb uh, Jacoby Brissett you know takes advantage of the one-on-one matchups for people like Amari Co- Cooper uh, but Njoku's going to be out of this game they haven't been willing to stick with the run game when they've gotten to any kind of deficit, which I expect will probably happen at some point with Cincinnati on the other side of the field. And their defense has been a bit of a disappointment. Now, there's lots of injuries. Garrett's playing with injuries. David Clowney's been in out of the lineup. Um, they've had injuries uh, everywhere else around the defense. So I get it. But in a division rivalry where basically your playoff chances are pretty much on the line in my opinion you will need to step up but their path to victory has been so thin and we've seen that in the way that they've collapsed when a preset interception or turnover at a bad moment has killed off their chance to be perhaps well above 500 right now I think Cincinnati right now, they're exciting, they're building momentum, whereas Cleveland, they look like a team that could have had momentum but lost their chance and are now struggling for relevance as the season goes on, in my opinion. And fuck the Bengals. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the Bengals are in a good place. Obviously, their offense is clicking back into gear, whereas the Browns don't really have a functional offense at the moment. So, yeah, should should be be an easy one for the Bengals, I would think. Yeah, I would... I would agree. So I suppose that brings us down. Any plans for the rest of the week, the weekend yourselves, lads? Uh, I appear to be have agreed to have done a thing stupidly drunk on <laughs> me a few months ago, and now I have to do it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I am running 21 kilometers in a row for uh, my sins on Sunday. Yeah, I'll be uh, down to then... cheer you on. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it should be good fun. So we're down. Yeah, we're heading down to Trilly, uh, and Sean is also going to be down there doing the the half marathon. My wife's doing the half marathon as well. So uh, should be a good crack. Be able to, to catch up with you at that point. And then I suppose we're we're kind of rapidly descending. Then on we're what two weeks out then from from the all four quarters goes to Germany to uh, to try and buy tickets off touts for NFL Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Mm. What are yourself? Fits any weekend plans? Um, no, nothing early. Uh, I might see that new uh, Banshee Even a Shireen game film. Ah, yes, so. one of my friends went to see it the weekend, so it was very good. Yeah, but was in Cavan last weekend, so uh, hmm. I don't want to say I'm traveled out, but like seven hours is a lot to be traveling, to be honest. On yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it should be good. I think I've got 
this weekend and then I've got uh, the next week and then I've start, I start having a rapid amount of random things all in a row of uh, I've ended up with I think with, with, with gigs rescheduling and, and things like that I've ended up with three or four things in a row so that'll be uh, that'll be good fun uh, but I mean that'll probably make for a very tired Connor um, but I suppose we'll wrap it up there as always fire in messages or, or, or questions or anything if you want but uh, for now it's bye from myself bye from Ronan bye bye from Sean bye it's been all four quarters thanks for listening we'll chat to you next week